This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger, episode 20. Let me be great. You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast. Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this episode of the podcast. This episode of the show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the audiobook division of Amazon.com. It has all of the full resources of Amazon behind it. It is my main source for audiobooks that I've been an addict of for as far back as I can remember. I go through tons and tons of audiobooks every year. As a listener of the Small Moves podcast, you are entitled to a 30-day free trial of their subscription service as well as a free audiobook by going to smallmoves.co forward slash audiobooks. One book that I would recommend that I think is kind of hilarious is called You're Never Weird on the Internet, Almost, a memoir by Felicia Day. Felicia Day is actually one of the funniest women alive, at least in my opinion. She's hilarious. She is known for a lot of like really quirky, geeky roles that she's played on the internet. Um, her Twitter feed is hilarious. I'm a really big fan of hers. So I would definitely recommend her memoir. It's called You're Never Weird on the Internet. Almost. Loved it. Big fan. Anyway, back to today's show. Today I'm interviewing a good friend of mine named Clinton Jiggets. Clinton was a member of a social league football team that I was part of a while back, God, 10 years ago, I would say. And he and I just sort of maintained contact and he's gone through a heck of a transformation since then. And he's, he's gotten into CrossFit. He became a personal trainer at the time he was working in a corporate job for a staffing agency, one of the large national staffing agencies. Went back to school, got his MBA, and after he finished his MBA, he decided to go out and start his own business, which is called Best Fit Apparel. And he's also a real estate investor on the side as well, but his main gig is Best Fit Apparel right now. And uh, it's really an interesting company. It's, he's, got, he's got a major focus on the CrossFit market, and I think it's a really interesting niche for him. It's a bit, it's a lifestyle that's really seems to fit him very well, both the business as well as the CrossFit community itself and being a trainer in that world as well. He's got a really unique insight. I really had fun with this conversation. I hope you guys do as well. Uh, don't forget to leave a comment about the show on the community Facebook page at smallmoves.co forward slash community afterwards. Let me know what you think about this show. Anyway, that being said, without further ado, I bring you Clinton Jiggets. Here we go. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to the Small Moves Podcast, small steps for big progress. Let's prepare to ignite. Clinton Jiggets, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, man. Um, I was getting into a little bit of your background and all of the different random crazy stuff that you're doing that you're doing with all of your free time these days uh, during the, during the intro to the show. But um, if you could go into a little bit more detail, just sort of introduce yourself to the audience, tell them a little bit about what you do of all of the things that you do and uh, just sort of see where the, see where the conversation goes from there. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be happy to do yeah, so. Yeah, man. So um, again, my name is Clinton Jiggets. Um, 
I basically uh, have three different businesses that I I'm, I'm able to operate right now. Um, ventured off and left my full-time employment as an assistant manager for a staffing firm earlier this um, assistant vice president, excuse me, for a staffing firm earlier this year. And um, because my side was starting to provide enough income that I thought it was worth the risk to do it full time. Uh, my primary uh, businesses are fitness related. Um, I have a fitness apparel company, uh, Best Fit Apparel, uh, that is really centered and targeted to CrossFit in the CrossFit community, which is functional fitness. Um, it's, it's become bigger and bigger over the last uh, seven to 10 years um, where you have athletes competing in various different um, athletic challenges. Um, the best thing to reason it to is, is the decathlon where you really have to be really good at a bunch of stuff rather than just an expert at one thing. Um, so it is a huge audience. Um, my target audience is primarily those people in that community. Um, they'll also target uh, yoga, bodybuilders and, and so forth and the casual gym goer um, as well. So I have Best Fit Apparel, the fitness apparel company. Um, I do still operate my personal training business as well. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's exactly what it sounds like. I do a couple of group fitness classes, uh, boot camp style, as well as one-on-one -on -one training. Uh, and I also have a real estate business. Uh, my partner and I, we wholesale and flip houses, um, which basically means we attempt to buy properties at a steep discount and either resell them to investors at also a steep discount, or we add them to our portfolio um, for the sake of renting and also sometimes rehab them and sell them uh, to retail or investors, um, of course, for profit. Uh, I'm, gotcha. I'm 35 years old. I have my MBA and I'm, I'm a person that loves life and just 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 loves, loves, loves learning and uh, challenging myself every day. Now, what of those of those three businesses, which one's been around the longest? Technically, uh, I would be the real estate business uh, because I was doing that um, even in 2007, 2008. Uh, made a fair amount of money doing it as, as kind of a side business in that two year span. And then for whatever reason, I allow, and then. <laughs> <laughs> I allow myself to get distracted. Um, the bubble didn't help, but um, no. I kind of left it alone for a while and focused on things like building my family and my full-time job. And then mm. as recently as 2014, uh, my partner and I, I had two other partners before who I still work with on, singular projects, but we're not technically partners anymore. But one other partner okay. and I decided to kind of pursue it more hardcore again. And since then, we did a couple of deals in 2015. We did more in 2016. And now 2017, we've, we've even kicked it up more. So that's that's definitely technically the, the oldest of the three uh, businesses. Okay. Before we get into any other stuff, I'm kind of curious about go, going a little bit deeper into that 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 process of actively working with a non-family related business partner. Like I know a lot of people, like a lot of people will have a business where like, you know, it's, it's a husband and wife team or, you know, or it's a brother, like a, it's a brother, two brothers or two sisters or a father and son sort of a arrangement. But when you're trying to actively manage a business partnership with a per se, a stranger, like how, like, 
how is that? How are you guys able to sort of manage that process? Because obviously, if you're if like say for example, me and my wife Carrie, like we have we have a business together. If you're setting up a business with someone that you happen to be married to, um, the the tax structure, like the corporate structure of the business, can be set up in a different way that's more advantageous to that sort of an arrangement where those options might not necessarily be available to say you Clinton and me starting a business together. Like how, how is it sort of managing the partner process um, with regards to structuring it around a business that's very transactional, like real estate? Like, is it like, is it sort of a flow through organization? Do you have it set up as a separate corporation? Do you guys just kind of, are you sort of partners per se in that, you know, you find a house and you guys both kind of throw a little bit of money into a joint pot and then just move forward? Or is it more formalized than that? Like, if you don't mind me asking or digging too deep. No, no, no. Those are good questions. Because that's something that, you know, for for people that are looking to start businesses, like everybody's terrified, everybody in the world is terrified to start a business, whether you're good or bad at launching businesses. It's just some people get over that fear to go ahead and do it. But one thing, one sort of pressure release valve that a lot of people think about when wanting to start a business is hmm, how can I at the very least maybe spread the risk around so it's not just me being on the hook and if things go badly you know my kids end up having no house right Um, (laughs) so the idea of taking on a partner is appealing on its surface but then when you start getting into well is this really a 50 50 partnership is, you know, is the money guy and the operational guy on even ground? Is it, should it be 60 40? Because this, the one over here always puts up all the money. And without that, there's no operation or like how, how do you manage that process? If you don't mind me asking. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first of all, uh, my partner, Eddie and I, uh, we have the relationship itself is 60 40. Um, Okay. The way the pot is split is 60-40. Um, 60 going to me, 40 going to him. Um, but he he's he's critical in the operational steps of, of the business. So 100% of the capital that goes into our marketing campaign comes from me. Uh, okay. 100% of the uh, different operational costs uh, come from me. So like the... We have like five different phone lines that, that we manage because we want to know where our leads are coming from, right? There's our bandit signs, okay. which are like those signs that everyone's seen on the side of the highway that says, we buy houses. We buy houses. Yep. I am well aware. We have the bandit <laughs> signs. We do direct mail. So we do every door direct mail, which basically the post office, when um you get those uh, different flyers in the mail that says to John Smith or, or current resident, uh, we do those. Um, the kind of okay. try to find passive people who might want to sell their property. Uh, we also have to spend money on like uh, buying lists, like probate lists. Um, mm. Probably eighty percent of our business comes from either probate sales or uh, people going through some sort of life changing event, rather be a divorce, moving out of the state or the country because of a a job or something to to that effect. Where hopefully we can find motivated buyers who will be willing to sell their properties for a discount for a quick transaction uh, without having to do any sort of upgrades or improvements to the property, not having to pay mm-hmm. 3% to the realtor, 6% in closing costs, and, and, and so forth. So 
we're just um, I spend the majority of the money on all the different marketing and operational steps. Eddie, in addition to us being partners, he has his own real estate business that he runs full time, which is why the operational steps are really easy for him. Um, I might do the intro call with a lead if they come in um, through the line and I pick up, but he normally carries the rest of the conversation. He's normally the one that goes to inspect the property. Um, though, though I do do it when, when I'm available, but he's able to roll it into his business and we work out really well because we don't, neither one of us are in each other's back pocket, like treating, treating one or, or the other, like a child. So we're able to trust each other. We use a CRM, um, a customer relation management system where we put all the notes for whether he talks to a potential seller or I do, or he talks to an investor or I do. Um, so we track everything in one place where we can go and see it. But but really, Eddie and I talk maybe three or four times a week. Um, okay. Unless things get, get, get really hot and then, it, you know, it might be daily. But uh, we're hands off. It's, it's, it's an LLC. But the way it goes when it goes to closing is the check from the title company comes out in the name of the LLC. We put it into the account and then we split it, um, split it accordingly. Uh, based on Got the it. transaction. Got it. So now when you say he already has an existing real estate business, is that is he a realtor or does he have just other real estate investment? He's uh, he's one hundred percent an investor. Um he has okay eight or ten properties he owns around Baltimore City. Um some of them he operates as tra- traditional rental properties, some of them he, he operates as uh Airbnb. Uh he has a couple properties near uh University of Maryland uh hospital downtown that he operates as airbnb so 100 of his business 100 of what, what he does for a living is all based around real estate he and i met got it so actually met at a real estate investing meeting and kind of formed formed the relationship in uh him wanting to grow his business and, and just like pr- practically every other entrepreneur wants to figure out a way to leverage and grow business without spending more money so mm-hmm. he's he he leverages me as a resource on the capital side. I I leverage him as a resource on the operational side, and kind of two hits are better than one. To be really cliche, and a little bit of something is better than a lot of nothing. So he'll give up sixty percent to be able to get forty percent more business and spend less money versus him having to dig deeper into into his capital in 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 order to grow his business. Sure. Sure. No, that's great. I mean, that that's that because it sounded like the way that you described it, it sounds like for him, he's he's a buy and hold sort of a guy like that. That's the that's the business model that he has set up himself, whereas on you on your end, you're more of just sort of the throw like throw the money in, you know, two, three, six months later, sell the property and get the money back plus whatever the premium is on top of that. That's fair. So sort of the, um, uh, so for you, it sounds like it's more of an arbitrage game on your end where it's more of a cash flow game on his end. Um, at least that's, that's what it sounds like from the outside, from the outside looking in. Like that, I would agree with that's, that. That's an interesting arrangement. Okay. That's interesting. Now you, and you've been doing that since, when, when did you start doing that with him? When, when did you guys first meet and when did you guys first start getting so the business together? He and I first met in, I want to say 2012 or 2013, because my previous two business partners and Eddie, they all went to high school together. 
Okay. Uh, and so I, I met him through them uh, and we actually did a deal together um, way back then, but it, it was kind of, he had a resource to help us move a property that we, that we were sitting on and we couldn't sell. Um, and, and I mean, I'm just like, mm-hmm. you just mentioned, you're thinking three, six months, but actually we're, when, when we flip a house, we're looking at 45 to 60 days max that we want to hold the okay. property um, because we got holding clause. We got, um, normally you're, you're, you're borrowing money at a really, really high fee. Um, yeah, it's, it's normally hard money. So you're paying three to six points in addition to 12 to 15% interest It's it, a transaction designed for really short term. Quick, quick. Yeah. Yep. So he, uh, he helped us move a property that, that we were almost got, got stuck with. Um, so that's how I, I initially met him and. Social media allows you to stay in contact with people without actually being in contact with people. I guess it's kind of like sure. like us. So, <laughs> uh, yep, I know it's amazing, right? He and I kind of felt like we were still communicating, even though we weren't communicating. And then I reached out to him really as um, I was thinking about leaving my previous employer. You know, a little over, I guess, close to two years ago, and uh, we kind of linked up and decided that it, that it would be a good idea to make it work and went from there just talked about we we ironed out the details drew up a contract so everything was in black and white as far as the transactional cost who was going to get what who was going to pay what who was going to be responsible for what and that was it okay good deal and he he's been doing he's about your age like you guys have been yeah he's messing around with real estate for roughly Okay, so you you guys have been doing the real estate game for roughly the same amount of time, or had he been in it a little bit longer than you uh, when you guys first met? I would say roughly the same amount of time. Okay, gotcha. So you you were you were working this other job for the for a staffing agency and doing a little bit of real estate on the side. Is that when you were going to school for the MBA, or had you had your MBA from from before that time? I completed my MBA in twenty twelve. So okay, that's the the window of time that I was going through that 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 two year process. I I didn't do. I may have did one transaction in that period of time that like fell in, that mm-hmm. fell into my lap, but I, I definitely wasn't actively yep. pursuing it. Got it. Yeah, you probably had a few other things going on at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So tell me, like. And was was it around that same time or was it before then that you first started getting into sort of the CrossFit world? Maybe not necessarily um, as a trainer, but just as a, I don't want to use the term enthusiast, but, you know, something like that. Like, is that around the same time that you started getting, finding yourself falling into the world that is CrossFit or did that happen before that? Well, first of all, I think enthusiast is, is a really good adjective for it, um, if, if not junkie. Uh, when it comes to CrossFit. <laughs> and so I was first introduced to CrossFit in 2009. Um, and then, excuse me, to take a couple steps back, excuse me, in 2006, I, yep. I was getting ready to go on, on a vacation to Fort Lauderdale. I planned on spending um, a couple of days in, in, in Miami as well while I was down there. And like most people that are getting ready to go to a beach, you start thinking about a beach and beach attire and so forth. And I decided for whatever reason at that stage that it would be a good idea for me to get on the scale. 
Um, oh, so God. I'm on a scale. Uh, <laughs> I'm five foot four and seven eighths. Um, I claim to be five five. If someone were to ask me, but I'm five. I'm five foot four and a half. I claim five five myself. So brother, who's like who's like we we are we are brother we're brothers in that line. Absolutely, game. absolutely. <laughs> so I was two hundred and twenty five pounds, uh, and I really didn't realize I had gotten that big up to that point. Like I knew I wasn't in shape, but I didn't really realize I was that big. Um, though I was living a really dangerous lifestyle because I was eating cheesesteak subs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Not exaggerating. Oh, like it, it, it was really bad. My, my best friend slash roommate was um, a manager of Alito's Pizza. Uh, he would bring food home practically every day, and when he didn't bring food home, we were eating Hot Pockets. Like It, it, was, it was really bad. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> so I decided that I was going to change my life and get fit, but my vacation was only three weeks away, so I said there's no reason to waste my time <laughs> starting now. Uh, I'll, I'll start when I get back home. Um, so when I got back home, I started the South Beach diet. Uh, from there, I did the South Beach diet, and the first thing that I did, I went to the gym inside my apartment community and did what I thought I was supposed to do. Wasn't really getting very many results because I had no knowledge of um, fitness and the human body and, and so forth and physiology and uh, human physiology and, and how I was going to improve my overall fitness level. Though I was losing weight because I was eating a really, 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 really strict uh, diet. And because I wanted simplicity, like literally I would eat the exact same thing for two week spans before I would alter it. Like I would just cook a big thing of chicken, okay. vegetables, and some sort of uh, a carb. And that was all I ate. But I was able to maintain it because it, it, it wasn't nearly as annoying as it sounds now, eating the exact same thing for two weeks in a row. So I lost a, dra- a pretty drastic amount of weight. I lost like like 50 pounds over a five-month period. But I, wow, I wanted great. to okay. accelerate things and get better. Uh, my cousin mentioned P90X to me. Uh, so I decided to try P90X. I did three cycles of P90X. And by the time that was all over with, I had lost a total of 90 pounds. Um, and Jeez. yeah, I, I, was, I was down to 135, which I was not comfortable with. I was really small. I imagine. Yeah. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Like, like there's, there's a picture that I was really proud of at the time that I, that I look at now where I look sick, but I, I wasn't sick. I had just lost a drastic amount of weight um, in a relatively short period of time. So wanting to uh, step things up and, and uh, kick it up a notch, just just doing different Google searches and talking to people, I, like, I stumbled upon CrossFit. It was like you were you were t- you were tired of answering the question. No, I don't have cancer. <laughs> no, I'm not dying. It's like it was like no, I don't have cancer. No, I don't have AIDS. I don't care. It was like I don't care what stereotypes are rattling around in your head. Right. Damn it. No, I don't have. Right. Like, leave me alone. I'm really okay. I swear. I swear. But but I also was slowly was like, getting pretty, addicted to fitness. Like I, like I was slowly starting yeah. to love the pain and, and and so forth. So for a couple of years, I just followed the CrossFit workouts on online and kind of mixed them together while I was going to a, a regular gym. And then mm-hmm. eventually, I, I joined I joined a gym, and um, the rest is really really Speci- specifically specifically a CrossFit correct. Gym. Right. Got it. Okay. Which, Go ahead. which we refer to as boxes. We don't call them gyms. Um, so I joined a gym. I joined a box. 
And these things, these things always start by making up a new language. It really does. That's why it's a cult. <laughs> you gotta have your own language if you're gonna have a cult. Uh-huh. So go ahead. <laughs> and the rest is history. Honestly, like it's it's an addiction. Like it's it's, it's all I. It's not all I think about, but it's like it, it, it's 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 definitely my my happy place there. Now, how how does one become a trainer in? CrossFit, like, is is the process is the process similar? Where, like, from from like a licensing or certification, is the is the process similar to a? I guess, don't know any better way to say it than like a traditional personal trainer that you'd find at, you know, any regular, any regular gym or gym chain. Like, is the pro is the process the same? Or because it's CrossFit and you're not per se dealing with the same type of equipment it, are the, are the guidelines stricter or looser or like how, how does it, how does that process well, work? First of all, my knowledge of that process is from, from the outside looking in because I'm a certified personal trainer. Um, tr- I, I, I'm certified as a traditional personal trainer. So, uh, eight, oh, um, okay. eight, excuse me, a certified. So, okay. That's just one of the many okay. government stop. bodies. Okay. Okay. Stop. Sounds like sounds like there's even more there. It's like at what point in the process of all of these all of these other things that you've been doing? At what point the hell did you have time to become a to get certified as a personal trainer? Like, <laughs> well, it, it's not as hard as it when sounds. Did, um, you sure. study. Um, they offer online courses and things that you can do and go through a process, or you can just order the okay. textbook and study the textbook and sign up and spend your three hundred dollars and go and go take the test. That's disturbingly simple. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pass the test with at least I can't I can't recall if it's at eighty or, or eighty five, but one of those two okay. you have to get in, in order to get your cert. Okay. And then you have to technically do um C CEUs, continuing education courses. I mean CECs yep. um in order to keep your certification every two years. Okay. Um as far as CrossFit's concerned, um they have different levels of certs. Um, that I have not gone gone through yet. So level one is the first one. You you basically pay a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars. You go to you have to have have some sort of certification already. So like my ACE certification, and then you basically go to not to do, uh, minimize it because this is gonna make it sound like anybody can do it, but it's not true. But 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 you go to a weekend course. Um, you go to a, um, a weekend course. What is this? What, Excuse me. Where where do you where do you go to that weekend course? You, uh, they they um have the weekend courses at various uh CrossFit gyms throughout the United States throughout the year. So you sign up and register for the course, and then you show up for the class. And um, it's it's, it's three days. You go through all the different functional fitness, the the, the basics that you need to be able to teach people. Um, and CrossFit is basically a combination of bodybuilding, uh, Olympic lifting, gymnastics, and body weight functional fitness all rolled up into one big happy family. Got so it. you go through all of that. Lots of lots of burpees. Yes, we do, we do do lots of burpees. Lots of burpees. <laughs> have you have you is like have you spent much time doing the uh, the burpee pull ups yet? I, I I have done burpee pull ups. Um, I've seen them. I cried and then I and then I closed the video. One of my first workouts uh was basically four times, so as fast as you can, one hundred burpee pull ups. 
and it, oh. it was hell reincarnated and <laughs> worsened. It, it, it was. Yeah, it just bur- burpee like burpees alone are one of the best all around single exercises that that the human body can do, at least from my perspective, look from an outsider perspective, looking in the amateur, the amateur that I am um, considering that the, the extent, the extent of any workout that I do right now and is not, like the only workouts I ever do are either burpees or a two handed kettlebell swing. That's the extent of all of the exercise that I do. Um, so no, I'm, I'm, I am well aware, but I have never brought myself to do burpee pull-ups. As soon as I saw it on YouTube, I cried and went away. <laughs> then, then I'm going to have to draft you and make you do them. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so it's, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like, it sounds like, so that, that was your sort of entree into the world of crossfit and training um i i'd imagine just sort of that's that's sort of where best fit apparel sort of came from it was just sort of a split off of that was that something that came like why an apparel company like there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to get into the fitness business i mean you could have expanded your personal training business you could have started your own gym you could produce other sort of you know exercise related products or services or videos or classes or whatever like what made you decide to start an apparel company? great question great question and and honestly first of all i was definitely so so i've always wanted to be an um, entrepreneur um and okay so periodically I, I i was always going through different brainstorms to trying to figure out what the heck i can do to finally be able to call myself what what i refer to as a real entrepreneur where i wasn't it wasn't a side hustle i could become a real entrepreneur and uh your your primary source of income is from a business that you created yourself exactly that's my that's my that's my description of it not not to say there's anything wrong with with side hustles like at this stage basically this podcast is a side (laughs) hustle like that that's you know this this is something that i do on the side that is fun as all get out um that you know can have can have its own benefits you know either now or down the road um but yeah, no, I mean, the, there, there's clearly nothing wrong with having a side hustle. And actually, frankly, as, as cliche as that term has become, I encourage every person in the world that I meet to have a side hustle of some sort, just because why not? It expands your knowledge. It expands your skill set. It expands your network of people that you get a chance to meet. I mean, there's no, there's no downside other than the loss of it was like, other than the loss of TV time, there's no downside to start to doing something. So why the hell not? I agree. Um, so yeah, so I mean that, but my 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 own textbook definition of someone that's that could call themselves a true entrepreneur is somebody that their primary source of income comes from something that they created with their own exactly. hands, exactly, um, or or their own brain, yeah. or both. Anyway, well, and so so, so I. I stumbled upon one of my favorite phrases and it's, it's kind of our, our benchmark phrase. The very first shirt that I created had, had this written on it and, and so forth. But one of my favorite phrases is let me be great. Uh, and okay. so I was basically joking around with, with my sister about something. I, I, I honestly wish I recalled exactly what we were talking about, but, but, but I was like, you need to just let me be great. And, 
for whatever reason, it clicked in my head. I was like, I should put that on a T-shirt. So at this point, it was just a singular idea that I should just put this on a T-shirt because I thought it would be really cool to put it on a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. And this is probably twenty late 2012. And okay, so I... I I didn't immediately like run to the computer and start doing research. Like it was just an idea that popped in my head and I followed away in my ideas of ideas that something I wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. And maybe a month or so later it came up to my mind again and I decided to look into it. I'm a little bit further. Um, I always admired, I had a friend who started a uh, t-shirt company, uh, a friend that I went to high school with. He started, I'm a t-shirt company. I always admired his t-shirt company. Uh, that that he since um, closed, but um, so I I messaged him and, and asked him some questions. He gave me some basic foundation of what he went through as far as designers and and so forth, and putting his ideas on shirts. And then mm-hmm. um, I went with what what I thought would be a really simple basis base for this T-shirt because again, still at this point, it was still just a T-shirt I wanted to make. Um, sure. So I used the the basis of the Run DMC logo, and of course, instead of it saying Run DMC Love between it. the two space bars, it says "Let me be great." So, I went to Upwork.com, had a designer bring my idea to life, and I went to um, I can't recall the company right now. You always see their commercials for like promoting organizations or family reunions and so forth to print their t-shirts. Their logos are octopus. I cannot think of their name right now. Um, but okay. I went uh, custom made. We'll, we'll look at, we'll look it up for everybody that's listening. We'll look it up and try to put, put that in the show notes. And, 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 and I just thought of it is uh, custom made. So I went to custom make.com had my shirt made. Okay. The DPI was horrible. The resolution was, 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 well, well, that's a DPI. The resolution was horrible on the shirt. I printed it. I ordered them. I ordered like five of them. And I didn't really like the shirt. It was the wrong fit. It wasn't what I wanted it to look like. But at that point, I said, huh, I keep thinking I, keep thinking I want to do something in fitness. Why don't I start a fitness apparel company? So then sure. um, trying to think of names for the business. Uh I finally settled on best fit apparel because I'm always talking about best, like be your best, uh, make this your best day. And and I used to really be be into like motivational statements and so forth. Well, well, I still am, but I used to like daily post motivational things on Facebook and so forth. And I just said, well, best fit apparel because you want to be your best, whatever your best is. It might not be John's best or Jane's best, but your best. So, right. Your best. Yeah. So best fit apparel, the URL was available. Harry even bought it and went through the tedious task of building everything on my own because I didn't have really the capital to pay someone to build my site or anything for me. <laughs> and really, I just I, I just went from there and slowly um, built the company. Now, for for if anybody if anybody's listening and they've they've thought about doing something similar themselves, wh- whether it be apparel or something, some other business that might just sort of spin off of another thing, another thing that they happen to be interested in, whether it be their own job, like whether it be their actual job or just in, like in your case, like you just happen to be 
into fitness at the time and decided that he's like, I he's like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I happen to be into fitness. Let's try and start a fitness company. What do I start? Hmm. Let's try, let's give apparel a shot. Like ha, for, for somebody that's sort of starting from scratch, like how would you recommend people that are listening sort of try and distill the stuff that they're interested in to what they might want to turn into a business. For you, it was your fitness addiction turned into a fitness apparel company. For but I, I assume like you, you and I like to get the uh, the audience knows. I mentioned it in the uh, at the beginning of the show that you know you and I know each other through um, being part of a social <clears throat> uh, social sports league here in Baltimore from back in the day. Um, I would imagine. It's like though though you and I haven't been like lifelong best friends, you don't seem shallow enough to have only fitness in your entire brain and your entire world. I imagine that there were other things that you also yeah. had interest in. So why not a business based around one of those? Or why not quote unquote, why waste your time trying to build this new fitness apparel company when you could very easily call yourself an entrepreneur by shifting all of your efforts to your in real estate investment business like your, like your buddy Eddie is doing I and mean, you he he could very easily call, you can very easily call yourself an entrepreneur because your entire business is built around the buying and selling of a product that you're finding yourself you're marketing yourself and selling yourself he's an entrepreneur you are an entrepreneur because of that so you are an entrepreneur already why why pick for you, why was it picking apparel? And for people that are listening, like what, how should they go through the thought process of picking which of the things that I happen to think I like doing right now? Um, should I try and maybe give a shot to turn into a business? Well, um, honestly, it, it, it was born out of passion. So real estate, for, for Eddie, real estate's a passion. Like he loves everything okay. about it. He loves to hunt. He loves talking to potential sellers. He loves talking to investors. He loves everything that goes into real estate. And that's his passion, which is why that's his, that's what drives him. For me, real estate was more so me making a, an informed decision that uh, a large percentage of all wealth that's ever been built in the history of the world, not just the United States, was built out of out of real estate, so I saw it sure. as a vehicle to. This is like real the real estate creating wealth. This is not news. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> right. So so I saw it as as a vehicle to help me become what what I wanted to be, and being able to get more leverage of my time. So that's purely the reason why I do real estate. Like I there are days that I that I do enjoy it, but. It's not my passion. My passion is fitness, and even more specifically, my passion is in CrossFit. So I was trying to figure out a way to use my passion for CrossFit and make it a viable business, figure out a way to generate revenue, and, and so forth. And personal training, for example, um, is, is definitely a route that I, that I could have taken, but Personal training, unless I, I wanted to start a company where I was going to hire people to go train people or something to that, 
effect is very much time time consuming. And one of the main reasons that I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur is I've, I've understood for a very long time that time is by far the most valuable asset that, that any of us have. So me wanting to leverage mm-hmm. time more than than just uh, generating revenue also pushed me in in the direction of the um, of the apparel company. So I I just took that knowledge. I took what what I know from being inside the CrossFit community that people really love their quirky T-shirts and um, having to write a pearl on is you know part of our religion. So especially for the women. Um, what what is that? What is that? I'm uh, having sorry. the right fitness apparel is is kind of part of our um, religion. Yeah. Oh, fitness. And, okay. and and then I said even more so for women because probably seventy percent of my customers are women. They're 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 by far my target oh, really? audience because uh, it may be a stereotype, it may not be accurate, but it seems to me that men are far more willing to wear the same five t-shirts to the gym than women who want to vary <laughs> the different leggings that they wear, the different shirts, the different tank tops, and so forth. They are more motivated to have variety in gym attire versus men are perfectly okay with those two go-to hoodies, those five t-shirts, and three pairs of shorts. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like your point. I like your point too about like unless you're looking to start a a personal training company and hire people to go out and do the training, otherwise it wouldn't be that beneficial. Back on back in episode four of the show, I interviewed uh, Corey Smith. Uh, Corey is a top 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 shelf sort of top of the food chain um, runner. And he has a he like he has a running business called RunYourPersonalBest.com. It's an online run run coaching business. Um, like he locally, he's from he's originally from the Baltimore area. He went to Calvert Hall, graduated, went to Villanova, then you know was a coach at the high school level and college level, and now was doing uh, personal run coaching to people. And he's ve- he's very 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 good at it, but. Just like just like anybody else that's a personal trainer, you have to dedicate the time to actually sit down and work at like in in a lot of cases, even at a base level, you're working out at some level with your clients as you're working with them, probably more so in his case because he's running, but yeah, whereas like, you know, in his case, he's like, I could I couldn't hot I couldn't do an hour of running three, four, five hours a day where I'm running for five straight hours with five straight clients and then do my own training for my own running and my own goals. Like there was just no way to do it. There was no time, there was no physical energy left. Um so that's when he shifted the nature of his coaching practice to more online based coaching where it's not necessarily face to face and it's something that can be done in a, in a systematized way that works out magnificently for him and he can still focus the time that he spends with his shoe, shoes pounding the pavement he's working on hit the goals that he wants to accomplish right. um kind of kind of like with you with your entrepreneurial business and also the real estate business on the side it's like you know could you do could you do the other thing full time well yeah you could but um there's there's more productive ways to use my time yeah and and and, and that's exactly right and, yeah. and and I'm glad you mentioned that actually because 
um, as, as I was still going through the process of pursuing the fitness apparel company, um, I, I definitely thought about creating an, an, an online personal training business because I, again, I still wanted to leverage my time and I already saw, I had two boot camp classes that I was doing at that time and maybe five or six clients and it was just occupying so much of my time. So I saw value in figuring out a way to create a footprint large enough to drive enough traffic to my site and become an online personal trainer. But it didn't entice me nearly as much as the apparel company did, which which is probably probably the primary reason why I did not pursue it. I'm at that point. Got it. That depends. Clothing business is fun. Like, I mean, putting, put I mean, coming up with ideas for apparel is fun. Like I've, I've, I've thought about, I've thought about that myself just because I'm such a, he's like, I, I'm a motivational t-shirt sort of, um, kind of like a motivational t-shirt junkie. Like I, I love looking at well thought out t-shirts and apparel and like, office decorations and whatever, like stuff that makes you think like, I, like, I, it's like, I, I, like, I'll appreciate it if you're, if you're a Dave Matthews junkie, I appreciate a Dave Matthews t-shirt, you know, just as much as the next guy, but there's nothing better than just a really well thought out graphic design that actually conveys a message that, that signifies who, who the person is, um, where it actually reflects yeah. their personality. Which I guess that I guess a Dave Matthews shirt does do it does do that, but anyway, uh, no, like no, it, it, so it's I guess it's fun to think about. Whereas if you're th- if you're thinking about flipping houses, that's only so exciting. Right. Um, yeah. So no, I totally get yeah. that. But I mean, I've I know people that it, it it flipping houses like gets them so excited. Like you know, like I am about the Ravens game tonight. Like 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 they're. they're it's, it's all they think about. It's 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 that passion, and that's that's what best fit apparel has 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 become for me. Is I'm constantly I I have this little uh, marble notebook. I'm a person that still likes to write things down, even though I save things in my phone and so forth as well. But I have a little little marble notebook sure. that I keep on the inside seat of my car, and whenever I have an idea that comes up for a shirt, I hur- I hurry up and, and jot it down. I probably have. 150 or, or so ideas that I haven't even, <laughs> even thought of bringing the concept yet because there's only so many designs that I can one pay pay to have done and there's also you don't want to completely oversaturate your website with just a ridiculous volume of things but I'm constantly putting ideas down and so that I'm ready to go so it's a passion like like I really love it and it's really cool and just like I imagine a recording artist uh, would be when they're at a red light for the first time and they hear someone playing their music or um, someone like yourself the first time you uh, overhear someone talking about or listening to your podcast in, in public and they're not in any way associated or related mm-hmm. to you. Um, it, it excites me to see people in my clothing um, and seeing my, my ideas come to life. And yeah, Literally yeah. come to life, yeah. It feels good. Yeah, no, that's great. So, like the so, I guess you, you, so. You you pick you picked fitness because that that was sort of your passion. Like, so if if somebody out there is thinking about trying to do something 
sort of along this along the same lines, just trying to trying to pick. It's like, hey, there's multiple things that I'm passionate about. Like, how do I pick the one thing? Like, do do you have like an exercise or idea of sort of how you would recommend that people go about sort of going through that process, or do, do you think it's just it, do you think it's as simple as just fi- find just look at look at the things that you're interested in and just pick the one that you like the most? Which it sounds like that it sounds like that was the case with you. You just kind of went with the one that was top of mind most of the time, which isn't a bad way to go about it. Of course, obviously, that's not a bad way to go about it. Um, but is there is there a different way that you would recommend people to do to kind of go like an exercise that you would recommend people do just to kind of maybe start narrowing the process down, or do you think it's just as simple as just look look at all the things that you're interested in and pick the one you like the most? You think it's that simple, or do you think there should I think be it should be a little bit more of a process to it? So you have to figure out what, uh, what that passion is. Let's say. To give a ridiculous example, let's say my passion is uh, I really love. Actually, I can't. <laughs> let's say you really love widgets. You 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 really really love brown widgets, and <laughs> I would kill to know what that thought was that just popped through your head right now. But I'll let it go. Uh, <laughs> so so you really love brown widgets. So you say I'm going to start a business selling brown widgets. The first thing I would do is see if there's a, a, a market for brown widgets. Uh, and then if there's a market for it, then it might be worth your time to to pursue it more. But but the, but but the reason why um, you want to find out the market, you want to find out there's somebody already selling brown widgets. Is it one company? Is it ten companies? Is it thirty companies? Is it a industry on on the uptick? Is it on a downtick? All this information is public and free. Um, you know, you can go to the Bureau of, uh, of Statistics and, and, and so forth and get all the, all this information. And I say all this because outside of people who run into a good stroke of luck or they have a genius idea that just is, a, it, you know, a magnet uh, lightning rod and it blows up really, really quickly. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of time that's not going to yield results in, 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 in building this. So you have to have some level of passion because otherwise... You're going to lose your motivation. You know, don't don't solely start a business just because you want money, because, again, outside of those those people who, you know, hit gold right right out the gate and it catches lightning right away, which is far more possible now with social media and the fact that you just need the right one right person to share your product or service and it can blow up, you know, overnight. Sure. But outside of that, you're going to spend a lot of time. Likely you have a full time job, so it's going to be before work, after work, weekends. Uh, trying to build this this idea in, into something that that you can monetize, and it's not going to yield results right away. So definitely that 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 number one passion I would say is first, but then figuring out if it's something that you can monetize. <clears throat> Maybe people don't uh, want to buy brown widgets, and there's no industry there. You know, it'll be a waste of your time. When I researched the, even though you happen even though you happen to be good at putting right. them together, if right. no one wants them, Precisely. there's no business. And I, I know when I, when I was looking into the uh, T-shirt business, you know, I, I, I looked at the industry. I, I saw that the the apparel co- um, industry in general is a three trillion dollar industry. Um, it's is is two percent of, uh, yeah, two percent of the world's the world's GDP. And 
when 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 I looked at that, I said I only need point zero 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 one percent of of that. You know, um, when I when I narrowed it yeah. down into fitness apparel, you know, it's it's still pretty large. We're we're talking about seven eight hundred billion dollars, and you you know annualized. And then when when you go to CrossFit, you're talking about the uh, high um, very very high hundred millions. So it's it's a huge industry. So seeing that that there's a market there. Allow me to say, you know, it's something worth worth pursuing. So then I took it a step further and looked at who are the, who are the number one companies. I kind of knew who were the most popular companies, so I kind of researched them and and their products and so forth, and just took spent a lot of time just just researching and finding out more about different quality textiles. So so even though it's, it's you know I'm not a fashion designer, so I'm not working with different fabrics per se where I, where I need to understand stitching patterns and um, different ways to manipulate textiles to create that dress that falls correctly and so forth. But I still had to understand the different quality of t-shirts. Mm-hmm. So of course, the first thing you want to do is buy the least expensive shirt because you want to have the biggest profit margin. Of so <laughs> looking at um, different products and the first couple of shirts I, I ordered were really crappy. The second set of shirts that I ordered were pretty crappy. Um, but feeling them out, watching things, seeing it, seeing how they respond. I say all this just to say there's so many steps that go into it that if it's not a passion, you're likely going to fizzle out because you're not going to hit hit gold right away nine out of ten times. So the passion with with research, at least not not out of any at least not out of any right. idea that's right. worth pursuing. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So um, what one quick one. With, with regards to sort of ba- sort of the balance of how you manage things now, like obviously you, it sounds like you still do some personal training. You've got the apparel company. Would you say the apparel company is what probably eighty percent of your time right now? I mean, you think that's more like the lion's share of what yeah, where your time? I would is spent say right more now? like sixty five percent, but still the still the great majority. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So. How do you what, what where where is Best Fit Apparel with regards to sort of its company growth arc? Like you you uh, I I imagine you obviously don't stitch T-shirts yourselves. Um, you have you like you have them you have them either screen printed or stitched elsewhere and then shipped either I guess drop shipped or shipped to you and then you guys you and or a team does distribution. Like where, where, where is for somebody that's interested in something like this, like maybe if, maybe if this is their particular passion, whether it be fitness related or otherwise, like how, like how big of an operation do you need to have, how big of an operation or how big of a team do you need to have to be able to create a company that's at a rough volume or sales level of what best fit apparel is right now? And yeah. are you and I'm, are I'm you more than happy to share that, that information. To, to share that information. So first of all, um, technology allows so much more leverage um, as far as how you get things done than I imagine it was 10, 15 years ago. So all, everything I do as far as managing my business, except for when I do fitness events, um, various CrossFit events mm-hmm. and, and so forth. Uh, outside of that, everything I do is online. So the technical opening year of Best Fit Apparel uh, is 2014. And 2014, 
uh, July of 2014, uh, the day before 4th of July, is when I launched the website. And for okay. I, I I stay on on a calendar year. So so that first year, which is really the first six months, uh, we did just under uh, two thousand dollars in gross sales. Um, which which I was very proud of, of course, at at the time because um, I made two thousand dollars um, selling something that I thought was really cool. And even more cool was when strangers started buying my stuff. <laughs> you know, after you tap out, ask the family and friends, say, hey, hey, support my business. So <laughs> 2015, um, 2015, our first four year in um, operation didn't really jump too much. Um, we we did uh, just around six thousand dollars in sales. For, for the entire year, so. OK. Not a dramatic improvement. And really, if if you were to. Uh, uh, look at uh, what we did in uh, 2014. It pretty much was an even growth, um, if not a slight trend down. 2016 was my best year, and still not okay. not nearly as as dramatic as I wanted it to be. But we did uh, $64,000 in sales. <laughs> wow, that's a hell of a jump. Well, now, what, out of curiosity, what what happened different that year? Like you you, meant, you mentioned, you alluded earlier that you know how things are a lot easy, like a lot easier today in the world of social media because all it takes is the right person sharing your stuff. Like, is that what happened that year? Like, did you happen to just like did you happen to just kind of strike strike gold with a, with you know a guy at a conference who happens to have you know a half a million followers on face on Facebook that happened to say, hey, I like this shirt, I'll wear it on my you know facebook no, actually, live streams or like what what happened that year like what what was yeah the, you yeah. know what the trigger and was it that was year more, <laughs> I, I did more i guess old school or guerrilla sales tactics how, however someone wants to refer to it so i from the beginning just just wanted my company to be an e-commerce company and just figure out ways to job traffic i'm sinking you know a couple hundred dollars um a month at, at that point into facebook ads and, and so forth instagram ads and just trying to drive traffic to my site. Traffic was getting better, but I wasn't converting um, enough customers to really sustain myself. So what what I decided to okay. do is um, do events. So there's a CrossFit competition pretty much every freaking weekend. If you look at the entire United States and if you just look at the Mid-Atlantic region, we're talking about at least two to three a month, a lot of events. And of course, okay. again, CrossFit is my target audience. So researching events that I could afford to get a booth at, um, which also required that I spend more money up front on inventory. So having to figure out what mm -hmm. three or four shirts I want to take with me because, you know, I, I might have had... 18 to 20 different products in, in my store, but I certainly couldn't afford to print up every single product and have 50 to, you know, let's just say 50 copies of each, each shirt in varying sizes and, and, and so forth. So I had to figure out what three or four oh, sure. I really wanted to move. Actually, the, the first, uh, the first competition I did, I took one type of shirt. I took the Let Me Be Great shirt. Next time I took the Let Me Be Great shirt. Second time, I mean, the third time I took 
the um, Let Me Be Great shirt and I took my Does Thou Lip shirt with me and just I was able to sell out each each event and I only showed up like not to make that sound impressive because I only showed up with 80 shirts at the first couple of events and then 150 shirts after that. So it's not like I was selling thousands of shirts or anything like that. But giving out postcards and so forth at, at um, these events, going out and this way the guerrilla marketing comes in, putting my postcards on people's cards when I when I go to the event. I even started going to regular global gyms, you know, like Golds or something like that, and placing my postcards on people's cards. I had my sister help me out where she would go places and place postcards on um, people's cards and so forth. So really just taking it outside of just using Facebook ads and so forth and going back to old school tactics of marketing my business. I did I did a couple campaigns where I did direct mail because I was, you know, I'm familiar with direct mail because of real estate. But everything, you create trace codes for, mm -hmm. for everything. And I found out that the, the direct mail, I wasn't even getting 1% um, response rate. So it, it it turned out that, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah that's, that was a waste that's of money. All, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was really just driving traffic. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's how it. That's you know, how we you learn. learn. You learn from your mistakes and from your bank account going down and so forth. Um, <laughs> but but it's like I'd venture to say I'd venture to say you learn a lot quicker when your bank. I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, so so I, I was really able to find find success, and, and most of my success came on the tail end of 2016. Um, which um, is okay. kind of what started to lead me to wondering if I would finally be able to leave my employer and pursue it full time. And um, like I mentioned before, I'm really big into motivational speaking and, and, and I'm so forth. And probably 90% of the books I read, I either read history books or I read uh, self-help books. So for Probably the third or the fourth time I was reading uh, uh, John Maxwell is probably my my favorite uh, motivational writer. Um, and my favorite book of his is okay. How Successful People Think. And I can't recall if it's in the first or the second chapter of the book, but he he, he basically says, like, if you want to be, be an entrepreneur, you, you can't just say I'm going to pursue this until it blows up and then I'm going to pursue it full time like you need deadlines so he basically commanded his readers of the book to pick a date six months he didn't leave it open-ended six months from today that you're going to leave your employer so you have a hard date is is do or die you're going to leave your employer in, in, in six months so you're either going to build this business or you're not but in six months you're going to leave your um you're going to leave your employer uh so I read that again uh, just after New Year's of this year, and I was supposed to leave my employer uh, the first week, the first weekend of the first week of June of this year, um, which was supposed to be do or die time. Okay. Um, I did an event in January. I did two events in March. Again, yielding much better results than what I was getting from my online uh, marketing and. My 35th birthday was in April, and I decided that mm -hmm. it was time. Um, in my mind, it was worst case scenario, 
I fall on my face and I can always go get a job. But, you know, you either want it or, or you don't. I, I, I was able to stack enough money that for six months, I would be able to pay my bills if, if, if I didn't make a dime. So I, I decided that mm-hmm. it was worth it. I was just about to ask that. It's like, what, what did you, did you have something in place sort of as an, as an insurance policy, either was either was your degree and job experience just so glaringly great that it would take you five minutes to go find a job if you really wanted one, or did you have, did you have a particular cash cushion? And if it, if you did, how much, how much of a, like, I, I like to call it, the, the term that I was exposed to, you know, several years back was, especially as it specifically as it applies to us entrepreneurs is what's, how long is your runway? Like how long until you, run off the edge and crash like how long like like, and what can you do to like what activities can you do to extend your runway whether it be cutting down on expenses or increasing cash reserves or you know becoming more lean in operations or you know what take taking on like the that dreaded side hustle whatever it is you know whatever it is like what can you do to extend your runway um yeah that was gonna uh, what i did um is it's figured out um, how much time I would have. I, 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 I wouldn't say my, my resume and my background is that strong that I thought that I would necessarily get a job overnight because working in the staffing industry, I worked with plenty of extremely qualified people who had a great deal of difficulty finding employment. So I know it's not as easy as one might think it is from the outside looking in. But I figured worst case scenario again, I would make it through the rest of 2017. And if I wasn't generating enough revenue. I could easily um, leave and, you know, put it back on the side and go get a full-time mm-hmm. job. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, man, I think I, I think that's a solid place to wrap up. I mean, that this is, you know, th- this is definitely a process that, you know, if, if people that are listening want to, try and actually get into either a little, just a little side business on top of what they're already doing, or if they want to try to find some escape route from where they are right now. Um, I think you got, you gave a couple of really great, great ideas for how, how people can do that. I think that's awesome. Um, one, one last quick question that I've got for you, and this is a question that I ask all of the guests on the show. Uh, it's the only planned thing that I like to ask everybody um, is that, with the concept of the show being that small incremental changes can end up making significant change over time, what purchase have you made in recent memory of a hundred dollars or less? That being the big kicker, um, has made the most dramatic impact on your life. Like it can be related to what we've been talking about. It could be something that helped, you know, streamline your business. It could be something that helped you get to or schedule or figure out scheduling for all these tra- these shows that you were going to, or it could be something that just, you know, let lets you keep in, keep in touch with and, you know, play around with your kids more often. Like I, it could be literally anything. I mean, what, 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 uh, what, what thing comes uh, to mind? Say my uh, my Azubi, <laughs> which which is <laughs> it's an in car. What is that? Um, Wi Fi. 
um, you, you you plug it in the same place you plug okay. in for um, diagnostic um, read on um, your car. And it's, it's a Wi-Fi in my mm-hmm. car so that yep. when I pick my kids up and I I mentioned that, that I read a lot of books, but I, I mostly listen to books on tape uh, or, or uh, MP3s or Me too. what have you. And and picking my kids up from school or going going various places, they have their own tablets. And I was using my hotspot on my phone. And even though I have 30 gigs, I, I was still running out of gigs really, really fast from letting them use my Wi-Fi in, 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 inside the car, mm-hmm. am- which which means that, right. It's amazing. And how so it so goes. listening to their music, because I created their own personal playlist and so forth, Sometimes I didn't want to listen to their music, so buying the Zuby and buying them headphones, uh, which get the headphones from five below. The the Zuby was seventy five dollars at the time, or seventy nine dollars. Um, allows me to let them use the Wi Fi in inside the car. They're able to to get on their tablets, listen to whatever music mm-hmm. they want to listen to, or watch movies they wanted to watch. You know, obviously, is I have the parenting uh, uh, monitoring on the videos and so forth but it just allows me to have that piece where i can finish up you know another 10 minutes of my book on on the way home or i'm also um kind of a news junkie so i might be listening to the news and driving home so it just gives me a little bit more mm-hmm. uh of my time before i get them home and of course that's that's when i want to give them 100 percent of my attention uh for those hours we have before it's time to get ready for school the next day that is awesome, man. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link to the uh, in the show notes. Z- and now, how do, Z-U-B-I-E. how do you spell that? B I E, Zuby. You can get it at Best Buy. B I E. Wi Fi car. Got it. All right, man. Well, Clinton, this has been this has been awesome. Um, for people that are listening, I think we've gleaned the fact that Best Fit Apparel is the name of your company, but and that you know best apparel bestfitapparel dot com is the website. But outside of that, if people want to catch up with you or chat, you know, chat with you or tweet at you or follow you or even better than all of that, you know, buy something from you. Where's the best way? Sure. For, well, where's the best my way? My nickname for is Quick Jig you? because my last name is Jiggets, and I used to be Quick when I was a younger man. Uh, so my my Twitter handle is at Quick Jigs. <laughs> my Instagram handle is at Quick Jigs, and my email address is Clinton at bestfitapparel.com. Got it. All right, well, Clinton, I greatly appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Jason. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the show again. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with Clinton. I really did. It was really great to catch up with him and to hear about all the really cool and crazy stuff that he's been up to uh, since he and I had a chance to hang out a a while back uh, when we were both still playing in that uh, social league football. He's up to a lot of really interesting stuff. I hope you guys enjoyed that chat. Definitely check out his gear at bestfitapparel.com. I've got a link to that in the show notes. And before you go, also, if you wouldn't mind, um, I'm looking for some more reviews for the show on iTunes. So if you wouldn't mind heading over to iTunes and leaving me an honest review on the show, that would really be great. iTunes being a search engine that it is, it really helps 
for other new listeners to find the show based on uh, previous reviews from other listeners like yourselves. So I would really appreciate an honest review on there. That would really help me out a lot. And also go ahead and follow me on Twitter. I'm going to be sending out updates on the show as well on that medium. You can find me at Jason Hertzberger. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the show, and I will talk to you next time around. Have a great weekend. You've got this.